Welcome to Help From Future Self. What's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's a conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, also known as Alex, and I'm joined this week by my good pal, my good coach, my buddy. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake? Hey, what's going on, man? And a very first-time guest to our podcast, but not a person who is unfamiliar to us, it's our pal Ryan from Seattle. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's great to have you here. It is 100% awesome to have you here. Ryan is here because we're going to be continuing on our series of house breakdowns, where we try and take a global view of every house in the game of Keyforge, break down what they were like when they were first introduced, what evolutions we've seen for them, and maybe some thoughts about the future. And we're doing one of the big ones this week. We're going with House Shadows. I'm excited. Yeah, this is this is going to be a good one. I have a, I have a feeling maybe our thoughts may be contentious, but uh, I think that's part of the fun of it. So each one of us is going to focus, I think, a little bit on one of the individual eras of Shadows. And they've been, you know, uh, uh, at one point considered to be by far the most powerful house. And now I think may have settled down somewhere into sort of the middle of the pack as of like today's date and uh, the current meta that's going on. But I wanted to ask you, uh, what are your initial impressions of Shadows? Ryan, you're the guest. Can you give us an idea of when you started playing Keyforge, what your feelings around Shadows and the Shadows card pool were? were like absolutely when i first started playing i had this idea that any deck to be competitive had to have shadows and i think when you talk about how it's not as you know must have that's absolutely true nowadays because they've really you know tempered it down a lot think think of cards like bait and switch where they absolutely had to do something about it and they went back and eroded it I've, i have a question about that because i've I'm actually writing an article about shadows right now for Archon's Corner, so I'm glad we're doing this. Give me some some thoughts. Uh, and one thing I was thinking is, like, do you think that the actual errata of Bait and Switch caused these un- crazy burst untamed decks to actually become that much more rampant as a result? Because that was one of the few things that could really, like, you couldn't just go hog wild. You actually had to be conscious of that. Do you think that caused um, that sort of occurrence? I, I think so. I feel like, you know, there are cards where you don't want to go big, and sometimes, like you're playing in a sealed tournament, you look over and you go, "Oh no, shadows! I can be, you know, free willing. I can just do whatever I want." But there's other cards in other houses that are also like, you know, if you go too crazy, it'll really punish you. I, I feel like when bait and switch was out, uh, I was really fixated on bait and switch, and I was just like always looking for decks with that. In it. And then when they nerfed it. I, I learned about this other really cool card called Too Much to Protect. <laughs> I feel like that. <laughs> yeah. I It really, like, I, I didn't even really pay attention to that card. I mean, I'm, I'm like, this is early in my Keyforge career, if you will, but still. It was, you know, that that kind of migration. I, I, I think the other thing that was really interesting about uh, Shadows for me was Subtle Mall. Uh, I, I personally... I hate it when cards are taken out of my hand and it's, it's kind of silly because there's lots of other ways that you can be down a card that are just as impactful, but something about it leaving my hand. And I always wanted decks with subtle mall in them, but I never, I couldn't figure out why I never got to use subtle mall. And that taught me that whole idea about having a main house in a utility house. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you expand upon that idea a little bit? Um, I know that it was talked about quite a bit on 
uh, Bouncing Death Quark when that Absolutely. podcast was still coming out. And folks should definitely go back and listen to those episodes because there's so much knowledge in them. But why don't you sort of elaborate on that idea of, of Shadows' role in the decks that you play it in competitively? Totally. So for me, when I think about Shadows and Coda, uh, I, I kept wanting to just go to that Shadows house and see Subtle Maul do all this damage to my opponent. And so I looked for decks with Subtle Maul in it, and I, I was like, why am I not using this card? And I realized that I didn't really want to call Shadows every turn, and therefore I really wasn't using this artifact every turn. And it was really enforced in that Bouncing Death Quark podcast when I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, this house isn't a house that I want to call every turn. It's the house that I kind of save up like a big damage in my hand where I'm going to like take a bunch of Ember from you in the future. And I infrequently call that house. And then once in a while, there'll be a, a Shadows mix where I can call it all the time, but it's very rare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you still play your Coda competitive Shadows decks? Are those still things that you bring out to play? Uh, you know, I actually never really got a really good competitive Coda deck. Uh, I Sorry, competitive Coda Shadows deck. Oh. I think the... Like the one utility card that I really loved in there was uh, Shadow Self. I felt like that could make everything else really powerful. And I was always hunting for like a really good Ember Imp Shadow Self deck. And then I stopped because I realized how much I would hate to play that deck and, and had played against it and hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shadow Self is such a is such a weird card because the flavor of it totally screams Shadows. But when you actually look at where Shadows has gone, the card makes no sense at the same time. I... I feel like, um, like thinking about this uh, today, I was like, wow, I can't believe there's nothing else like Shadow Self. But then I started thinking about it. And it is a really weird card. I think it. when I teach people the game, I, I've learned to not teach them with a deck that has Shadow Self in it because it just like hurts their head. They're like, wait, what's <laughs> yeah. happening right now? It causes all kinds of weirdness when it comes to uh, certain effects like, okay, um it's it's the archimedes effect right like the if everything is destroyed or if there's a certain amount of damage does it leave the board does it still absorb all the damage like yeah there's there's all kinds of weird timing stuff that happens with it that's very difficult to grasp as a beginning player certainly when it's that bad news you know i've got like a really powerful creature and they they run somebody into it and i'm like well that really doesn't do anything and they're like what do you mean and i'm like well the damage goes to this guy and he he's now he has four damage on him. He's not dead. And they're like sadness. And it's even worse nowadays with, uh, you know, quarantine and playing with people on the crucible where they can't really take it back very easily. Right. Oh yeah. Do you have any favorite cards from the Coda era of shadows? We've already talked a little bit about, you know, bait and switch too much to protect. Are there any sort of like a little more off the map or even just cards that, you know, your are our favorites from that era. I, I love One Last Job. Uh, if you're not familiar oh, with yeah. it, it's uh, purge all your shadows creatures, steal one ember for each you know, creature that you purged, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that card, it just makes me smile when I can pull, pull it off. And uh, it really, yeah, it's uh, purge each friendly shadows creature, steal one for each creature purged this way. It really enforces that whole idea of it not being a main house. And the, the fact that I can purge all of my shadows creatures and still lean back on all of these really cool Shadows action cards. Like It's, it's like a perfect thinning card, right? Um, you know, things like Nerve Blast and uh, what's the... Oh, Lights Out. Uh, all these other cards that you just want to keep 
holding in your hand and then drop them as a bomb on somebody later and kind of thin out all those little creatures. It's, it's a perfect card. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Weirdly enough, too, like, I mean, there's there's plenty of shadows creatures that you kind of want to stay on the table when you drop them. Like, obviously, you don't want to get rid of your own Magda the Rat. Uh, you don't want to get rid of your old own <laughs> old Bruno or whatever. And there's like utility cards like Mac the Knife or Massis Asp or Moon Cursor. But there's so many cards where it's just like, yeah, take my urchin. I already got my value out of it. Purge it. Get it out of the game and let me get an amber for it. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Uh I, I hadn't thought about Mac the Knife. I love that guy. He makes yeah. He's been oh. around for every single set, which is kind of cool. I, I love him. Uh, Sneak Lifter is also really funny, and I actually forgot that it was part of uh, Coda I, I, when I was looking through the cards. Yeah, another that's I like that artifact control. I think it's like the most unique artifact control because it's like I'm not destroying it. I'm just taking it and being the thief theme that is existing and stealing in. Shadows, it's a, it's a really cool card, I think, for House Shadows. I, I've always felt it was really mean, too, because uh, in many cases you can steal and then immediately use the artifact. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did a play today where I, I snack-lifted a Gorm of Ohm and then used it to destroy another artifact. Like, oh, that felt so good. It was like a two-for-one special. So good. That's mean. <laughs> Either of you guys ever play a Speed Sigil deck, like, regularly? I have a double speed sigil deck with Fagin and Urchins, which is a lot of fun. I, I you, have Ryan? one that, when you were asking me earlier about Shadows decks that I like, that actually reminds me, there is one Shadows deck that I really do like a lot that has speed sigil in it. And speed sigil is such a funny card because it's like, am I confident that this is actually better for me than for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's a really high skill card, like your ability to read your opponent's deck list and also understand like how it's going to bite you, I think is, uh, is very important. And I think there's also the side of it as well as like, you get that moment where you have speed sigil in your hand and you're at five Ember. And if you, and you know that playing it's going to get you into check, but also you could be putting yourself down this rabbit hole where you end up losing as a result. It's, it's such an interesting like proposition. I think it's quite a high skill card. What about you, Alex? Um, I have a hard time with Speed Sigil just because, like a lot of other skill-testing cards that have uh, symmetrical effects for both players and artifacts that have symmetrical effects for both players, it really does rely on your understanding of how to best use the effect of the card and your hope that your opponent can make less good use than you. And because Speed Sigil is so immediately, obviously useful... Um, it doesn't require you to play around it. It just gives you benefit right away. It's a very dangerous card to put on the board. Some decks absolutely will benefit by it, um, and some decks absolutely will not. Um, and I have decks that have Speed Sigil in it where it's always a discard because you cannot possibly get the value out of it. I'll say this too. If I was like rocking a uh, old school Speed Sigil deck, I would be terrified to put it down in the Age of Worlds Collide with all of the Star Alliance and uh, Asaurian creatures that have good reap and good fight effects. Very true. I was thinking the same thing when you were uh, talking. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Star like, Alliance. I'm sure it's yeah, happening to somebody. you play it, get an effect, and then and then you reap and get the effect again. Yeah, your calm officer Kirby. Throw him down and get to play two out-of-card like actions or uh, artifacts or whatever. That'd be and deadly. And if Morpheus is on the, on the field, that's, oh, that's just silly. 
So we've kind of acknowledged the fact that uh, Shadows was very dominant in the meta in uh, uh, the Coda era, and that was largely due to the fact that Steel was such a super powerful effect, because it's not just you gaining Amber, it's you taking away Amber for your opponent. And even after Bait and Switch got nerfed, it's still incredibly powerful because you have all the other tools, so many of the other cards that we've already talked about. Too much to protect, which is really ascendant. You know, Ghostly Hand, which is still in the mix. Uh, you know, uh, uh, routine job, et cetera, et cetera. Like they're all in there. But really the feeling I have when I look at the AOA card pool was the, all right, steel is still a thing, but we're going to make everything a little more difficult, a little more finicky. Now, for a lot of people, I think it took some of the fun out of playing Shadows out of the game. But in my mindset, I feel like it makes the game more interesting. There were so many cases in Coda where one card play could mean the difference between winning and losing, and that can still happen in AOA, but it felt like there was more of a fighting chance with a lot of these cards and more ways to play around them. Let me give you an example. Brend the Fanatic. So Brend is a great card design in my estimation because his whole deal is that uh, when you play him, your opponent gains one. When he's destroyed, you steal three. So you have to, when you play Brend, have a way to get rid of Brend. And you can't just run him into another creature because he has Skirmish. So you have to hope that your opponent has a creature with Hazardous. Or you have to have direct removal you can use on your own creatures or some other way to do that. It adds a dimension to the steel aspect while still giving you the opportunity for those big steel plays. And I find that... You know, as opposed to somebody just like throwing down a bait and switch and going, I take, you know, however much amber off you. If somebody does a good play with Brend, that feels much more like fair and part of the game to me. I, I love Brend and I'm gl glad you brought him up. I I think the the art in science and how to kill Brend is a fun part of the game. And absolutely, you're right. Like, it feels more fulfilling. I didn't just steal amber by playing a single card. I had to work this out. I had to finesse it. Oh, you're you're singing my tune here. That's that's one of my favorite cards for all the reasons you said. Like the 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 fact that it's like a puzzle. You have to figure out. Okay, I have. I like especially in sealed. You open a sealed. You see Brent. Like the next thing you do is like, okay, what removal do I have to get rid of Brent? Like how often can I pull this off? Like I feel that's the instant jump when you're analyzing a deck list in sealed. Um, my absolute one of my f most favorite plays that exists in AOA times was a deck I had that had Entropic Swirl with Mac or with Brend because you literally get five Ember from pulling that off. And it's like the most fun play ever. It's like one of my absolute tops things to do. Uh, if you get a Logos uh, suite with those two cards in shadows. Yeah. There's also a lot of really cool little utility cards that showed up in, uh, in, uh, AOA shadows, uh, things like heist night, which is kind of like a, a new version of one last job. Um, but it's an alpha card. So it's a little bit difficult. You can't play creatures and then play heist night. You kind of have to plan it out ahead of time and hope your guys stick to the board. Um, we also got some interesting stuff like guard disguise, which, you know, you might actually get to go off for up to three Amber, but maybe not. Um, plus they actually got a more usable, a key cheat in Nightforge, even though uh, Key of Darkness was still in the set. Of course, it also was the introduction of Ronnie Wristclocks, who is like an iconic Shadows card now. Um, I remember people being kind of upset when Bait and Switch was gone and some of the other like classic steely uh, cards uh, were gone from original Coda. But I feel like Ronnie and the way Ronnie works is so much more interesting and fun because 
Ronnie steals two if you go over seven, so he punishes people for not paying attention to his existence. However, he steals one just for getting played, so he's like an urchin in that way. But then there's all the fun ways that you can bring Ronnie back from the dead in the AOA meta and the meta of WC as well. Interesting little ways to get him off the board and bring him back, uh, ways to resurrect him with Exhum. I love Ronnie. I love seeing him in decks. Multiple Ronnies, even better. He's just fantastic. Well, yeah, no arguments. Earlier you said that they kind of, you know, tempered shadows in this set, but I felt like Ronnie is so good. I mm-hmm. I love him. And especially compared to like what other have Ronnie or an urchin. Like Ronnie. Yeah. Please. I honestly think that that Ronnie was like, okay, we're gonna take out a bunch of these cards, but we're gonna put this in the common slot because this is gonna be a replacement for a lot of those cards. So hopefully you'll see this more type of thing. I feel like that was like it it took on the mantle of some things that were removed. Yeah, like Relentless Whispers is gone. You know, that was such a such a key card. Although Nerve Blast stayed in this set, which I always forget. I always yeah. think that Nerve Blast was in uh, uh, Coda only, but no, it was in here. Um, I think one of the things that is that some of the cards are very, very fiddly, like Swindle. Swindle is, I actually like it from a design standpoint because Swindle makes the player make the decision of, do I care about not having a turn if I can swing the game by six amber? That's a decision that is worth wrestling with as a player. And I like that as a design idea. What are your guys' thoughts on Swindle? For me, as I feel it's like, I feel like when you come from Call of the Archons, like there was, uh, like there are obviously really complex things that exist, but inherently in Call of the Archons, you could just play cards <laughs> and and you would have a fairly significant outcome. Like you could play, you could follow the rule of whatever you have the most of in your hand plus on board, mm-hmm. and you're going to come out ahead most times if your deck is solid. I felt when we started getting into AOA and stuff, there was the propositions of utilizing the board more and playing things and setting things up. And, and it wasn't a matter of just playing things out of hand. And that's continued onwards since then. And I feel like Swindle is really one of those cards. It's like, we're not going to create these like crazy Ember cards like we've had in the past, like Virtuous Works, for example. But we're going to make it so that that is possible, but there's going to be a penalty for doing so. So it, it created a really interesting play sequences that uh, that have existed since the result. And, and I feel like it, maybe it didn't, work out the way they wanted because that card did not carry on to worlds collide which i find kind of interesting but also at the same time it it makes sense i I find like when i see swindle in my hand i I do have all the the struggles like oh is it worth skipping my turn to you know swing a bunch of ember my way at the same time it's like i really want to do something i want an active turn i just you know just waited three minutes for my turn and now i'm i'm just doing nothing but it also, it, it, interestingly enough, it kind of set like a bar in my brain, like, you know what? A good turn is where you can like, gain at least three ember and steal three ember. Like if, if you can't do that, like, you know, you didn't have a good turn. It was, it was an interesting bar. I think one of the other things, and this will be sort of my last thought, because I could talk a lot about some of the cards in, in AOA uh, Shadows, is that... Um, it was sort of the birth of Shadows having a lot of kind of like subpar cards. And you didn't see a ton of that in Coda. Like there's a couple of cards that are less good than others in, in that era. But like stuff like Knuckles Bolton, who seems like he's in multiples in every single Shadows AOA deck, is just like, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. he's a three-power creature with like Elusive and Skirmish. But does that really do that much for you? 
in most cases, probably not. Like, wh- why does anybody even want to fight into Knuckles Bolton? What, what what does Elusive do for you there? We also had things like Furtive Investors, which I find very rarely goes off. Um, you know, th- there was a bunch of cards that I feel were like a lot fiddlier and less good than sort of the, the some of the many of the Coda cards that they had replaced. And it sort of started to feel at that point, and I think this is sort of continued into WC, that Shadows is a house of contrasts because it has some of these incredible cards that are so good and then a bunch of cards that you're just kind of like meh, which is not something that you saw in the Coda era. There's a real, like I think, delta between the best Shadows card and the worst Shadows card and perhaps a wider one than there is in a lot of other houses. Before we go on, what do you, what do you think about Playgrat? Um, it's an interesting novelty. Um, I have a deck that has Plague Rats in a pretty good layout. Um, I think it's actually a lot better now that we have wards to deal with. Yeah. I was going to say, it felt interesting before, and now when you play against like a Sarian deck, it's like, ooh, this is fun. Yeah, I feel like the, the novelty phrase was a good way of putting it. Before we get into uh, the WC talk, and I'm very curious to hear a lot of the thoughts that uh, that, that about uh, Shadows in WC and the place that we're at right now. Just a quick mention of Miasma here, because it appeared in both Call of the Archons and AOA. And to me, Miasma is one of those cards that, like, I, I love to play it, and I hate to have it played on me. And I think the game might be a little bit healthier for it not being around anymore, because it is one of those cards that can just be, like, the one card that swings a game like your opponent is way up on you, you're behind by like three amber, they're at like 12 amber, you play a miasma and the game is won. And there is the part of me that kind of hates that while also recognizing that it's kind of part of the game. Any hot takes on miasma? I feel exactly the same, that it can really swing the game and for a single card, it's uh, like seems outsized in its impact. It's similarly to other cards that have like huge game-breaking impacts like you have to pick this house you can't pick this house this one's like you you just you don't get to forge sorry i do like though from a design perspective that it's um you skip the step you can still forge in the middle of your turn so yeah i'm I'm with i'm with you except i actually think that it not being a part of i think it not being a part of the world's collide shadow suite like for me miasma is like one of the most iconic shadows cards. Like I'm actually mm-hmm. shocked that I haven't thought about it. Like I totally forgot about it. And I think it is like, like up there with too much to protect as one of the most like iconic cards in shadows and for it not to exist in worlds collide. I actually think it, it severely weakened how shadows as being part of your deck as since it's not in the equation, like maybe switch the, the one thing, I don't know if this has happened cause I'm, I haven't like taken stock of it, but have cards switched rarity in between sets. Do you guys know this? I um, didn't look at that. Uh, I'm pretty sure not. I, that's something I would really like to see as a as a design is maybe like, you know what, this card was really powerful. Let's switch it so that it's no longer common. Like, let's make it an uncommon now so you see it less. Or something like like vice versa. Or like, you know what, this was a rare, but maybe people want to see this more because in this this like set, it's going to be more relevant to have this card seen more frequently. Like things like that, I think would be really interesting to to be a part of a set design is actually switching a rarity of a card. Like I just looked at Miasma. It's it's stayed as a common in both sets, which I actually didn't realize it was common. I thought it was uncommon. So, also, it gives you an amber for playing it, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I think because there's a lot of times when it's it's like not gonna work. Like you're either holding it 
or you're just playing it for an ember. Like, I mean, I think honestly, Miasma's probably played more for an ember than it is played to stop someone from forging, if we're mm-hmm. going to be honest. I don't know. There's the part of me that says that any card with an impact that big with no real drawback probably shouldn't get an amber because it's like, yeah, you're holding it because it's going to cause like a big disruption in your opponent's plans. But with that said, uh, control the weak exists. (laughs) (laughs) The all time. How did this get a pip of amber on it card? It's also dangerous to to just play it for the amber, though, because you're playing against untamed. Somebody might, you know. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Blake. Why don't you take, talk to us about Worlds Collide Shadows? So Worlds Collide Shadows is interesting for me because literally the very first five decks I opened all had Logo Shadows in them, X. Like all of them. My first five decks, that's that's what it was, was Logo Shadows. And so I was seeing um, Shadows in a different light and not in the scope of a lot of other things because I don't know if you guys will agree with this having played Worlds Collide a bunch, but when you have Shadows and Logos together in Worlds Collide, it has this kind of... A symbiotic feel to it with the way they work with one another like ones does it really good at archiving and stuff like that um like logos really stepped up as a result mm-hmm. and i find that they like together they don't tell the full story of like especially shadows on its own how do you guys think about that i hadn't considered specifically those two working together but i feel like the role of shadows for me as my mind has always been a utility class after i learned the subtle mall lesson and I feel like in this set, it really has solidified. Like there's so many utility cards now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Like that's the one thing I was going to start off with is in Worlds Collide, Shadows has literally become like it's a support utility house for other stuff you have going on. And I think one of the big cards that that made this so is Hit and Run because aside from it being like the perfect combination if you have Ronnie's, there are a lot of other cards that exist within the set or getting to return it to your hand and then playing it again next turn even if you're drawing one less card is a very huge value especially if it's something that has a lot of damage and it's about to die and you can just bring it back to your hand and then replay it next turn because you know you're going to call that house anyways it has that value i mean i was looking through the card pool and there's like the list of cards that are literally just like interesting actions that provide a utility that you're gonna use one turn and probably not call shadows again is quite high like you have the chimor eclipse i think is probably like one of the greatest cards that exist in shadows in this set I love um, card. And then you have so many like small damage things that exist, uh, like one damage, two damage, like there's a bunch of them. Uh, and then there's also like like Mug, for example, like Mug is, I think, from a design perspective, was genius in a Worlds Collide set, like having something that, you know, there's going to be lots of Ember on dinosaurs and things like that. And, and they probably figured people are going to want to play dinosaurs. So I thought that made a lot of sense. And the fact that you could do it to your own creatures too is is a really cool proposition that exists. Like it's not enemy. It's like any creature you could do it to. So I, I really like that. Um, but one of the things in Shadows that like like you said, like it's the Worlds Collide Shadows is basically like if there was a graph showing Shadows, it's definitely got a downward trend coming up to Worlds Collide. Like people's mm-hmm. popularity and the enjoyment of it, it's, it's going down heading to into Worlds Collide. And one thing, though, that I think is super cool about the Worlds Collide Shadows that I love, and I know I can't wait to hear your take on this, Ryan, is the the introduction of the Vindas. <laughs> yeah, you. I know you had a saucy Vinda deck. And um, I find that the Vindas are such an interesting and unique card to exist. And, I, and this is a great follow-up because you were talking about this whole, like, discarding cards from your hand thing and wanting to use it and in this set we not only do we get one of the vindas does it 
But then we got Subtle Chain plus the Chain Gang, which I think is a really cool concept. And then plus Subtle Maul still exists. So the ability to actually really punish someone's hand in Calling Shadows, I think is a lot greater in this. So what are your thoughts on all those? Well, it's interesting because the Vindas, they really encourage you to call shadows all the time. And so mm-hmm. like if, if you get a, a deck that has a good set of those, then maybe it can be, you know, not maybe your main, but, you know, an off house that you go to frequently. Uh, yeah, I had a deck that had two Vindas and three Vindas, and it was crazy. Um, just some crazy turns where you, you're just bouncing a, a bad penny all over the place, stealing and making them discard cards. Again, I hate losing cards out of my hand, so I assume my opponent hates it too. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you brought up Hit and Run. I think it's fantastic. And Kaimor Eclipse, um, my favorite, You know, I guess, f- free advice here. Uh, if you have a deck with Kaimor Eclipse, like you got to think about what am I leaving on the flanks that I want to see again. So like you leave like a great play effect on the edge. And when when I'm playing a deck with Kaimor Eclipse, or when I think my opponent does, I try to manage the flanks. So I'm like leaving like that urchin on the edge or a Ronnie Wristlocks on the edge, just so that if it happens, I'm getting that card back. Uh, what do you think about Menchego with regards to that? I really dig Menchego. Um, because what Manchego does, I think, is it presents a, do I play this now and not get maximum value of it? Do I hold it back? Or do I hope that when Manchego comes out, he gets ignored until I can get my maximum amount of value at him by shuffling him back into my deck? Like, it just presents more thoughts, more planning, more ideas. And that's the kind of Keyforge I like. I like the complexity of a design like Manchego. I agree. I'm a big fan of it too. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really cool card, and I mean, it can even just be an archive card. Like, if you need to archive, and you know you're not calling shadows, and it's in your hand, it's an it's an easy like candidate for archiving. Well, if Manchenko came up in my mind because he's one of my buffer cards when I want to do Kaimor Eclipse, but I don't want to lose one of my creatures, I can throw him down to protect you know the the other creature on the flank that I didn't want to lose. Throw my Ronnie on the other flank, and then play Kaimor Eclipse, and now Manchenko's back in my deck. And I can play my Ronnie again as soon as he's back in my deck. Yeah, I like that. I also like um, the the Inky Gloom card with the the uh, oh I can't remember the name of the other one. Uh, uh, the into two the of them, night. but it, yeah, into the night. And if you play them both, it's like your opponent if they don't have shadows, they can't fight or reap, and it's a dead turn. I think that's such an interesting like uh, concept that exists, and I find they do exist together quite a bit in decks. And I and I and I love that. I think that's such an interesting design thing. But again, it's like not super helpful like you're not really advancing but it's an interesting thing to do if those cards are like in your like i mean there's obviously a lot more cards you'd rather have than that so but yeah i just find that very interesting like uh, in terms of a design and and the way it plays what's it leads into one of the reasons i love this game though is like what you just said like you end up with a deck that has that in it and you're like well i'm gonna make use of it the best that i can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah very true um the last thing i wanted to talk about with with this uh shadows in Worlds Collide is uh, the fact that Magda the Rat doesn't exist in Worlds Collide. And the reason being is I think it would be so cool if you could like drop a Magda the Rat down and you steal two Ember and then you drop something like a Discombobulator or something that says like an Odax, your Ember can't be stolen. (laughs) And then you can kill your own Magda and you don't like get your Ember. I think like that would be such a cool like thing to exist within the game and and like you could make it so that they don't they can't get it back. I think that'd be such an interesting like aspect to Magda in this set. You know what Shadows card from Worlds Collide I love seeing 
in every time I see it, especially in multiples, Hawk. Oh, yes. oh yeah. I don't even know. How, yeah. How do we not talk about Hawk? Like yeah. That- like I remember we had a conversation on the podcast a while ago. We we're like, what would you rather have uh, a poltergeist or Hawk? And I went poltergeist and I think I might've come around on Hawk. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a poltergeist, but I, I love Hawk. I think it was a very much needed card. Like having, having more instances of artifact removal, I think is, is what was needed. And, and so um, that was, I think, fantastic. So often it's giving you two ember, which is yeah. awesome. All right. So we were already starting to run a little bit long. Any thoughts on where you would like to see shadows go with mass mutation and future sets? It's okay oh, yeah. if you don't, we can edit this out. <laughs> you know, I, I the one thing I can think of is like if we think of the trend about how Shadows plays as utility, how exciting would it be if it was like an actual main house for one one set? Like a little bit beefier creatures and stuff like that? Yeah, so, well, some reason to go call it more often versus just the Vindas. I yeah. I, I think I think other than saying maybe a positioning it as a main house the other idea could just be in mass mutation positioning it in a new way like you know somewhat less traditional if you will maybe like and i guess a mutant theme is the perfect candidate to like do that and make it something different than it originally was but still have the same identity yeah what if shadows morphs into being more of a control house like uh, you know, you really start expanding on the ideas that uh, you mentioned, Blake, with Into the Night and Inky Gloom, manipulating the game in such a way as to make things more difficult for your opponent, and then allowing that opening for yourself to advance yourself, rather than it just be you have Amber, I take Amber. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Can't finish an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. And Ryan, I believe you have one for us this week. Yeah, I was recently playing like we do during quarantine on uh, KIP or TCO, and uh, I made the mistake of letting my opponents leave Resting Gungus out longer than they should have. Um, and and I, I know it's obvious, right? Like, kill it as fast as possible. Um, but in my mind, uh, I was like, well, I want to play that house, and I, I want to play that house probably two more times. So I'm going to go ahead and just you know, focus on closing this game out and just keep calling Logos, which is what I've been forced to call because of this card. And then I was like, oh, bummer. (laughs) Now I'm stuck. So kill it as fast as possible. It's another form of a witch, I guess. It's the help from future self for myself. So you basically, you ended up locking yourself by not dealing with it when you could have and just trying to close out the game instead? Exactly, exactly. Interesting. I I mean, I guess if you're at a certain point that you, you could easily think like, you know what, this isn't going to bother me because I have this stuff that can just finish the game instead. Exactly. And they ended up doing something that like killed my creatures. And I was like, oh no, this, this idea is really bad now. (laughs) 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 That's a good lesson to keep in mind. Restoring Guntus, a card I love to play, hate to have played against me. Woo! Long one this week. You can find us at patreon.com slash HFFS podcast. Find us on Twitter at the very same address at HFFS podcast. You find me as at Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible, on Kip, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Where can they find you, Blake? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight. Best place to reach out. And uh, as well as my YouTube channel.
And what's your handle and where can they find you, Ryan? Uh, Ryan CH, a.k.a. Joda. I'm on most platforms and I'm also on Discord as Ryan CH. Wicked. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We would love to have you back again sometime soon. Thanks. It'd be great. All right. Big one this week. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay fortunate.